Welcome to the In Search For More podcast, where guests join me in my search for more, more from myself and more from life. I'm your host, Ellie Nash. Welcome back. In this episode, I sit down with the family of Yocheved Gerarek, her mom, her dad, and her brother, Levi. In addition, a guest I've had on in the past, Robert Simon Jacobson, joined our conversation. Yocheved Gerarek is a young woman. On May 24th, 2021, would have been her 25th birthday. Unfortunately, on December 22nd of 2020, Yocheved took her life after a multi-year struggle with an eating disorder and other mental health challenges. Shortly after her passing, I got in touch with her family, who felt strongly that something meaningful should and could be done in her memory. Over the next few months, the Garari family, Yochevet Seidoff, Joe and Ruth Weigarten, Ryan Carter, and my wife and I put together what we hope to be an annual award celebrating unique demonstrations of kindness within schools. Two teachers from the Crown Heights community will be eligible to receive a $15,000 award, and two students will be eligible to receive a $5,000 reward. In addition, on the website we've launched, www.kindnessaward.com, we will be collecting and featuring stories that demonstrate kindness and compassion in a unique way and have also had a meaningful impact on someone's life. It is an honor for me that the family included me in this project. Without much more, let's get to the conversation. We um, launched this uh, Kindness Award I believe at some point in time, we thought maybe we'd do the actual award on uh, her birthday, but instead we, we went with launching it, her birthday. I figured I would start by talking about how this award came to, uh, to, to be, the fam- came about. The family has been very involved in every step of the, every step of the way, uh, the process, the naming, the development of it. And saw this very much as developing a, a legacy and memory for Yochavid specifically, that this is something that she herself exemplified as a person. I didn't know her personally, but from uh, her TikTok, which I believe still lives on, and, the, uh, and her Instagram, I've gotten a sense, a little bit of her personality. And uh, from the many stories I've heard from others, and what the family has said, Abrami and Dini and a lady who um, I've had a little bit less interaction with, but I'm sure he'll unmute his microphone at some point and, and share. So uh, shortly after Yocheved passed away, um, Avrami hit Facebook very hard. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and uh, there were many posts and shares, and it was I mean, obvious, as one can imagine, there was a tremendous amount of, mo- of emotion in a lot of these posts, a lot of it with pictures of Yocheved and uh, his observations on life, on her, on the community, and, and so on. Uh, after seeing a few of these, I reached out to Avrami and thought that it would be worthwhile to have a conversation, and he and I spoke. And I, I don't know when we first spoke that there was a direction that the conversation was geared toward. Not, you know, I just, I thought it would be good if we spoke. That's all. I reached out to you and we, we messaged a little bit on WhatsApp and then uh, got on a phone, phone call the next day. I don't think there was a specific, I didn't have a specific goal in mind and I don't think Afremi did, but suffice to say there was a fair amount of um, energy on that, uh, on that conversation, both from some of, some of the posts you had. And obviously I've been um, outspoken in general on the importance in the community in uh, paying attention to mental health, spiritual well-being, and, and things of that nature. And 
the conversation in many ways flowed um, from, from there. We dibbled and dabbled with <laughs> several different areas. Uh, Remy likes to say that at some point, the conversation pivoted very clearly to what can be done positively, A, within the community, and uh, to celebrate um, Yocheved's life and legacy in a way that's most meaningful to her. And I think from that conversation, the, the, the word that stuck out was compassion. Eventually, it switched to kindness and became the, uh, the kindness award. And the idea was to highlight people in general, but we figured to focus it on um, within the school system. So teachers and classmates and within a school um, environment where kindness and compassion were demonstrated in such a way as to be exemplary, which is something that I believe Yocheved um, naturally had. She had a gift to be able to, to be there for others. Recently, um, I know there was a guest on my Shekhanan's podcast who shared, and I, I shared a note with uh, yesterday. I don't know if the podcast was was aired, but being that it will be public soon, I can share it. I can share it at this point that she had said during a very difficult period in her life, um, Yocheved was a, uh, a rock for her and very important support getting through some, uh, some very significant mental health challenges. And in that way, the, the Kindness Award um, came to be where we highlight teachers specifically that exemplify this kindness and compassion. I share with Avrami a story of my own, my own, which is one I've shared in the past, I'll say it quickly, where um, I was kicked out of a yeshiva after a few weeks. I was told I was a, a mekachtos, which I believe the technical term means uh, get the hell out. <laughs> I was mekachtos, which basically saying that the uh, rush yeshiva is not responsible for me. And I called an old yeshiva that I, that I had been in previously. But it's a little bit different calling yeshiva before school year starts and calling yeshiva after school year starts. And when I called this yeshiva with a rabbi that I knew, and I've shared his name, Rabbi Wenger in Montreal, and I explained to him that I was no longer in the yeshiva that I thought I was going to be that year, and um, I didn't want to retire from yeshiva. I didn't want that life. I wanted to be within a yeshiva system. And he, he basically made clear on that call that he would do everything possible to, to make sure I was in yeshiva, up to and including... Um, I forget the expression he used, putting his job on the line to make sure I was there. He said, you'll have a place in my yeshiva, 100% guaranteed. But he did want me to take a few steps to, us, you know, a, a few steps outside of that. So without going into all the details, I did write the story on um, the kindness award itself as one of the areas besides for highlighting teachers where there's a cash award for teachers who go through the nomination, um, the nomination are awarded. There's also an area just to collect stories. So I started by putting my own story in the story of teacher. And what I've, what I've shared about this story and the reason it was so impactful is I, I left that conversation feeling a part of, right? I wasn't, whereas the, the previous teacher, and I'm, not, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that teacher did wonderful things for other people. So I'm not the one who kicked me out of yeshiva. I'm not saying that he's a bad person. I'm saying my experience that I left with was one where the circle was too small for me to fit in. Right? The circle, our community was a little bit too small for, for me to fit in it. And Rabbi Wenger, when I spoke to him, expanded that circle and said, no, you're in it. <laughs> I'm sure he's a fine person. I'm sure he's a fine person. But 
the circle included me in it. And um, my life would be very different. I think my relationship with the community, my relationship with, with Judaism, with all of this would have been very different if not for that conversation with, with Rabbi Wenger. There was something about it that to me demonstrated the kind of compassion and care that is exemplary in a way that leaves a lasting impact. And those are the kind of stories and those are the kind of uh, life moments that, uh, that, that we're trying to collect, create, highlight, you know, be a part of in some way through the kindness, um, the kindness award. So on today's panel, we have three family members of Yechaved, father of Remy, Remy Garari, also known as Remy G, <laughs> her mother Dini, and her brother Levi. In addition, we have Rabbi Simon Jacobson, Rabbi Simon and Jacobson. Our, I was going to say, and our cousin. Oh, also, I guess also a family member. Okay, doubles. Sorry, Simon Jacobson is also a family member. But as this campaign was, as we were starting and working on the, uh, the Kindness Award, we're thinking about how do we make this into something that has a lasting impact? It's not done for a year or two, but it really has something behind it that can um, grow within the community and perhaps to be expanded well beyond Crown Heights and to be part of... Uh, um, Part of an institution that's that's around for a while. And we reached out to Rabbi Jacobson and asked him what he thought of the project, and we felt like it was in line with uh, his work at the Meaningful Life Center, and he absolutely loved it. And uh, at least that's what he told me. He said he absolutely loved it and felt very strongly that this should be done and that uh, his organization could and should be a part of it. And I hope that uh, what we're seeing tonight is something that can can grow well beyond um, the Crown Heights community and well beyond this first year, but to be something that's shown in all in, in, in as many communities as possible to really highlight um, teachers who do things that are transformative in a positive positive way. So Avrami, to uh, to start with to start with you, do you recall our our first conversation? I most certainly do, and uh, I bless that day. Um, I have tremendous gratitude for how that conversation happened and came out and the result. And let me just go back and say that. Um, let me explain why that is. Um, I reacted to this whole tragedy in a way that I thought I would not. Uh, because I started writing a lot online and try to be involved uh, in positive discussions and positive initiatives, a lot of people were reaching out to me and so on. It actually, I fed off that. It, it helped my own grief. I was by, by giving other people and giving of myself, it fed, it fed into uh, my own therapy, as it were. And this project uh, is a, such a large part, part of that because it's all about giving and we are so excited. And, you know, uh, as Rabbi Jacobson and I had spoken offline before that, you know, when, when someone encounters this kind of tragedy, you know, both things can happen, right? You could be really, really angry and mad and negative and so on. And how do we channel that in a positive way? So there was a little bit of anger involved and maybe I let on you know, that I was, ang I was angry in some ways. And to your credit, Ellie, uh, we had a discussion and you had told me uh, two things. You had told me, first of all, um, uh, how can we find a way to channel this tragedy in, in a positive way? And it was you who came up with that idea. I don't think it was me about this kindness award. So, you know, false humility there. And then you told me something which I've told so many people uh, uh, 
after that, and that is the idea of you know of blame. You know, we're always blaming ourselves as parents, as children, as friends. Let's pick this person to blame, that person to blame. And you told me something very, very fundamental. I want you to to talk about that a little bit. Yes, I want to credit it to the uh, the person I I heard it from. So uh, for a while, I was um, very active with Jewish Community Watch, and one of the gentlemen I worked there worked with closely was Benny Four. And I think without fail, every event uh, that he and I spoke at together, he spoke about the concept of less about blame, but more about responsibility and the responsibility that a community has when tragedy happens. And it's often, there's an individual responsibility, obviously, from people you know, closer or in that, in that circle. But what, what about the collective and the communal responsibility that, it, that exists? And there was something about, um, I guess, that comment that's about collective responsibility that sparked the kindness idea. And I think that's where we brought it to, okay, how do we, how do we highlight this? You, the, the thing about it, and one of the things that I was thinking about on our calls, it seems so subtle. <laughs> Some of these things seem so subtle. And important. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, I had a conversation and the guy said you can be in yeshiva next year. Like, really, that changed your life? But the truth is, like, the reverse is always true. <laughs> Meaning, you know, people's stories are not, I mean, sometimes you have, like, horrific, horrific things that, um, you know, that derail someone's life. But oftentimes, they're relatively mi minor or something that happened. When I say minor, maybe they're, they're big in scope, but they're for a very short period of time. Right, there's something that happens and like that 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 derails or shifts or moves things. So if that can happen on a negative way, then certainly can happen on a positive way. And let's let's highlight that. And what's the collective communal response to something like this? And it it I guess in a lot of ways was was two things: a you know more kindness and compassion, but the fact that it also dovetailed well with who she was and her own legacy. So it. Um, I, I don't, I'm remembering different parts of the conversation. The original idea was not something as a legacy for it. Like the original conversation was just, okay, what is the communal responsibility for this? Instead of talking about blame or talking about, you know, anger. I, I'm a big fan of anger, by the way. I'm not, you know, I think anger and anger gets you to move. Anger is what gets us to, to change. Without anger, we, we sometimes can't, um, you know, move from where we are. It's just, it has to be channeled, has to be channeled in the right way. And so I didn't. I'm not scared of anger necessarily. I think it's just channeling it to the right place. And uh, this, yeah, sure. I mean, certain situations, there is, a, it's a good reason to have anger, but could the anger be channeled towards uh, something positive, towards something constructive versus something destructive? I think that, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same energy and motivation to change. So, so I think what we're doing over here is, and I think Rabbi Jacobs can speak more to this, that is Chassidim, you know, uh, we talk a lot about Chesed, about Tzedakah, and in theory, we talk a lot about generosity of spirit, but do we act on it and do we do something about it? And this is what this mission is about, about encouraging generosity of spirit, which will impact people's lives in the, in the long term. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's something so that's so, so vital to encourage. And I'm sure the schools talk about it and teachers talk about it. But uh, when you encourage it and you really bring it up to the forefront and it's glaring in your face, it's such a beautiful thing. And this is why this project is so so exciting. So, Robert Jacobson, maybe you could speak to that about uh, you know those two components about physical tzedakah and spiritual tzedakah, and uh, its place in our community. Well, first of all, thank you from the depths of my heart 
for inviting me into this circle, this sacred circle, um, honoring Yecheved, the tremendous way of honoring her by establishing this uh, Yecheved Gerari Kindness Award. Let me just tell you my own personal feeling here, which I think reflects and echoes, I'm sure so many others' feelings as well. You know, in the recovery world, they say the silence is worse than the rape. You know, it's a very harsh expression. Actually, it goes back all the way to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the Torah, when Cain killed Abel, his brother. And it says that his brother's blood that was absorbed by the earth, is, the earth itself is crying out. One of the worst crimes, even worse than a crime itself, is silence. Where people either ignore it or go into denial and avoid it. Or another reaction, as Ellie said, is anger and bitterness and further dysfunctionality. So when I saw with my own eyes the dignity with which Avremi and Dini and Levi and the entire family rose to the occasion, not only after this tragedy, but before as well, <clears throat> and how they addressed Yecheven and how they dealt with her, and then I see Ellie, a perfect stranger in a way, also rise to the occasion that we will not be silent and we will not allow this tragedy to break us, to make us bitter and angry and point fingers, the system at this one, at that one. But not only that, we will actually turn this into a tremendous effort revolutionary effort of bringing more kindness into our systems, into our schools, into our homes, into our environment. Kindness, which Yechevet personified, and I was asked to be part of it. I mean, this to me is the greatest tribute, not just to Yechevet, but to all those children and to all those people that are right now crying in silence. I remember once when somebody told me how when they were a child, <clears throat> they were abused in their homes. And instead of someone addressing it, every time she would cry, she told me, her father, who was a very dysfunctional man, would have his whole family start singing louder and louder to drown out her cries. So the worst possible crime is the silence. So we can protest with positivity by saying, no, we will not be silent. We will not just forget about it, but we will turn it into a positive revolutionary effort. That is the greatest thing that human beings can do. And I commend you all for doing this, that this kindness award will bring even more light than the tragedy's darkness. And that is the greatest way to redeem your chavit and redeem her soul and redeem everything she stood for. Because what we do is we bring so much more love into the world and we make a focus that we will do that because that's what our children need and that's what each of us need, children and adults, that we need that voice, that positive voice. And it's a lesson and a, and a living life example for everyone. 
because we don't know who's going to be hearing what we're speaking about right now, who's going to hear about the Kindness Award. And that is ultimately the greatest, greatest thing we can be doing. Mention about kindness, chesed, spiritual or physical. Avram Avinu, with all his greatness, what he's remembered for 3,800 years later, 3,800 years later, is because he was the one that first established the Kindness Award by being a living example with his wife, Sarah, of doing chesed, Sdaka, mishpat, that they initiated the trailblazers and pioneers of kindness in this world, that we don't focus on ourselves alone, but we focus on how we give and how we help others. So when uh, Avrami and Dini mentioned to me, we were talking about all this, and I've been learning from you more than you from me. And then Ellie brought up this, top, this, uh, this idea and said, would I be willing to participate and be part of it and do whatever I can? To me, this is the greatest thing a person, human being can do. And this is why we're here on this earth. The Baal Shem Tov says that an Neshama can come down, live 70, 80 years, just for one reason. It wears and tears in this world just to do one favor for another person. Imagine if you can do more than one favor. This is why we're here. And when you can celebrate that, you focus on what matters. And that is, above all, the greatest thing that grows out of Yecheved's story and her legacy and her life, that forever she will be remembered of the kindness that will be recognized, the unsung heroes, those teachers, those friends, those students that people don't usually even pay notice to, but actually have the power to change lives and to make sure that children should no longer be crying silently and that people who suffer are recognized and, and kindness is shown to them because that kindness is what really is the ultimate healing. Love and chesed has always been the healer, the gift that God gave us to be able to deal with every situation possible. More pain, more suffering, more love, more kindness. So we're here together to honor that. And uh, I have no doubt that it will inspire and be a catalyst, like a ripple effect. And everybody here who's on this uh, webinar should definitely feel that we should share this with everyone we know, because this is the way we can bring healing to so many people that need it. Obviously, there are many interventions, but one of the greatest ones is that we are not going to be silent. We're going to turn this into a tremendous act of kindness and love wherever possible. And the award is simply meant to honor that in order to inspire others to be in that way. And our teachers, our parents, our leaders, our rabbis, and every layperson, every grassroots individual is part of and responsible to do whatever we can, not just to prevent future tragedies, but also to create the most nurturing and cultivating environments for our children and for our adults that create the possibility for us to make this world into a garden for God. So I want to thank you again for allowing me to be part of this and uh, sharing these few words. Simon, on our first call, one of the things, when, I, when we spoke about it, one of the things you said, which I felt like it articulated what I was feeling, you, what, you said that what excites you about it is watching a family take pain and channel into purpose. And um, it, it articulated what I was feeling, which is, that, yeah, I mean, this is an incredibly painful event, life-altering event, and to be able to channel it and direct it into something that 
helps people and is positive in that way. I mean, it's there's there's so many examples of that. You know, when something this big that can then be what is it, the Kabbalah, right? If, if if they can do it, then so many others can channel pain into uh, into purpose. I was also very impressed before then that you know it's no secret that um, in in our community it's it's sometimes difficult to share the uh, the challenges like what's really going on. And sometimes there could be a tendency to a little bit of lipstick hair, a little bit of uh, plastic surgery there, uh, obviously, uh, figuratively speaking, no one gets plastic surgery, of course, but the uh, a little bit to make things look better than it is on the, uh, on the outside for obvious reasons. And um, I was very impressed that the family took a uh, very direct approach to to what had happened and you know shared shared the truth and shared what it was and you know it's they say uh, sunlight is said to be the best of disinfectants and uh, if we don't know something's going on you know un unfortunately it's not the uh the first time something like this has happened in our in our communities in our world and by by shining a light on it is extremely powerful and i was very impressed in reading of remy's posts i saw all of the the emotion but also the the honesty and the authenticity which I think speaks to uh, speaks to the family and speaks to uh, I from from what I understand a lot of people listen to you when you uh, when you speak now you post and you get a lot of reaction to it and I think it's that authenticity and truth and just say what's going on. Uh, Dini, um, if I can ask uh, pull you into this conversation a little bit. So of Remy, um, right after I spoke to him, he said, "Well, let me check with my wife that she's." That she, that she's on board. So, can you speak to a little bit of that? It seemed like of it's it seemed like of Remy wanted the, the sense that I got was that he wanted to make sure this was in line with a what the family wanted, but b also with um, honoring Yochevet in the right way. So, can you speak to some of what your thoughts on it and how and uh, so some of those conversations? What 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 this means to you? This award and this event. Sure. Thank you. Um, this was, we, we heard, you know, there's a lot of ways, I guess, that people can try and talk about Yochadir. She was a very, very special person, as I think some, those that knew her knew that well, and those that didn't have gotten to know her, and I've heard from many people, they wish they knew her when she was here. She was a very kind and caring and sensitive person. And um, whenever Remy spoke to me about it, he was very excited about it. And that, first of all, I just love that. I know that initial conversation you referenced was fraught with um, a lot of emotion and it didn't necessarily start off in a positive way. And there was a lot of things going on at the time. And then the way you channeled and said, how do we make this positive? Even that in itself um, speaks to who you have it was because she was a, she felt, she didn't, she didn't like negativity. She didn't delve in negativity. She wasn't, you know, she didn't talk about other people. Um, she was the opposite of that. Um, so that's one piece. And um, the, the idea of building kindness in schools, that was one of the things that somebody had reached out to us soon after you had passed away, besides many of her friends that did. Um, but one of her friends that had reached out and said that in a school where she was a child that didn't have friends, um, Yochebed was one of the people that sat with her at recess and included her um, and made her feel, she said, like the first time, like, like the way a little girl should feel. She brought her to our home. Um, and that was who Yochebed was. She just did that naturally. She did that from a young age. 
Um, and I thought that this idea of building kindness in schools um, really spoke to who Yochavid was. So whether it was student to student or teacher to student, kindness is the thing that stands out. And the more we talk about it, and the more we promote it, and the more we recognize how kindnesses affect people and can affect people in such a strong and beautiful way, it just, I thought that Yochavid would really, it just spoke to who Yochavid was. And I think that she would have looked at it and said, yeah, this is all, this is what we need in schools. We need to make sure everyone's included. We need to make sure everyone feels seen um, and important because everybody is. She, she wasn't a she didn't judge people. So she would have wanted as many people as possible to do that for one another. Because more we promote kindness, I think that, um, and I'm talking specifically about our schools, but in obviously in our communities, as you said before, Ellie, um, it's just, and, and Simon, you spoke to us all. I mean, this is just, it's so important that everyone feels seen, everyone feels heard, everyone feels included. And it's the smiles, it's even just a smile. Some people told us that you have it in the hall, we would smile at them and how that made them feel. You know, to a younger student, when an older student does that, it's little things sometimes. It doesn't always have to be a grand gesture. It can be a small thing. As we spoke about, sometimes it's a negative thing that can have an everlasting impact and make someone feel the opposite. So too a smile. A smile goes such a long way. Um, so I, I was, yeah, this, this spoke to me. When he spoke to me about it, this made sense. It made sense to, to honor Yochavit in this way. Immediately after um, we spoke and got the okay, I reached out to uh, Yochavit Seidoff, actually, from uh, Lamplighters. I thought that, um, you know, her experience and what she cares about and, you know, what she's focused for a long time and terms of creating a, you know, the school she did in Crown Heights Lamplighters was in order to promote that kind of environment, to, to, to uh, promote a sense of, um, you actually used the word, uh, right, to, that someone feels included. I remember that one of the first things Yocheva did after she spoke is she sent like these, like the words that were coming up most common. And one of them was that, right, the inclusivity. Because I, I, I think that's, I, that was an essential point uh, that was, you know, when I speak about the story of Rabbi Wenger, and often is is that feeling, am I part of, do I belong in this group, do I not belong in the group, am I included, am I not included, and sometimes that's the, talking about kindness, kindness can sound but vague, okay, you know, you, you helped an old lady across the street, was that kindness, I, I, I think what we're talking about, the kind of, the kind of kindness that we're talking about, is that, is that one that says, hey, you're included, you belong in this group, it's that stepping out outside of, uh, and, and oftentimes, who doesn't feel included in the group, right? There are, we're, we're oftentimes speaking about someone who's dealing with some sort of challenges in one way or another, and just by saying, hey, you're a part of, which in my experience is, it's a need as, as essential as, uh, as ear to people, is everyone's going to need to belong to, to something. And I've had this conversation a lot with, um, you know, people within the community and saying, how do we... Oftentimes, you know, they're looking at people who, who've left the community and why did they leave and what's, you know, what was wrong with it or anything else. And it's, hey, they didn't leave community. They, that's not what happened. They left, left this community and found another community or they're still searching for the next community. But that's, pe people need, strongly need that sense of, of belonging. And I think that was something that uh, this is, this is really that I felt strongly without knowing Yochebed, but from speaking to both of Remy and Dini, that the, the kindness that we're talking about is one where someone feels a part of and included and not 
apart from, not that they uh, they don't belong. Uh, Levy, if uh, we can uh, get you to unmute, you wanted to be part of this uh, this discussion, so uh, by all means, chime in on what this what this means to you, to your family, to the memories you have with your sister. Certainly, um, I, I just want to thank you also publicly for this for this whole thing. It's it's. I think that Yechavad would have loved this idea because for for Yechavad, kindness was just really really important and and a big big part of her life. You know, in in college, she was she was part of a uh, peer mentoring program, um, and in her personal life also with with um, you know we we found out a lot of things in, in the. Uh, in the last few months of, of the people that she helped and, and the, the advice that she gave people. And it's, it's truly amazing. And, and through, I don't know if you've seen her telling them the, the advice that she was giving for a long time on, on telling them and, you know, the help that she gave people was just astounding. And, um, you know, convincing other people to get treatment for, for their issues. And, you know, just, just among family and friends, just the, the level of kindness that she showed. I think that this would be an award that would would really resonate with her, and I think it's a really good way to, you know, honor her legacy and keep moving forward. And uh, yeah, and also I, I agree with what was said earlier about the turning a negativity into into a positive moment. I think that would really resonate, and I think that's that's also really important. So I think that's yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. Is there a specific uh, story maybe that comes to mind that you're comfortable sharing? exemplifies this i know i'm putting you on the spot but <laughs> um I, I i don't think i can think of a specific story but it's 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 it was more of a, of a life a lifestyle you know the 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 level of kindness that that we were raised with and and you know that came from our parents and that that, that was through her as well was just something that was you know constantly in our lives so that's that's the thing that 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 i'm i'm that's what's coming to mind right now Okay, if you think of a story, I know I put you on the spot a little bit, so if you think of a story, just no problem. Raise, the, raise the virtual Zoom hand. And uh, I mean, I, I connect through stories, so I, uh, yeah. But I did, I, I saw a lot of her, her TikToks and uh, your father shared with me some of the, what does it tell me? Whatever, some, something where people ask questions and then you answer. Sorry, Telonym, T-E-L-L-O-N-Y-M. Uh, she's still on there as, uh, I think, Chavit underscore Gurari, is that right, Levy? Uh, and there's a ton of stuff there. There's a ton of stuff. Some of it humorous, some of it serious. Right. She definitely had a uh, an interesting sense of humor. Yeah. Very. very <laughs> I got that sense from the. And, uh, right. I, can I just touch on something over here? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so Rabbi Jacobson used the word intervention. And one of the things that really excites me about this project is that. I'm most interested, like you said, there's always intervention, right? There's so many organizations and therapists and so on. There's so much out there in terms of therapy, but there's not a lot out there in terms of prevention. And I'm, I'm really passionate about, and I, I don't know all the answers. I'm very passionate about what do we do with children at a very young age that uh, will kind of teach them to have resilience, teach them to have kindness, and teach them to live healthy lifestyles, spiritually life, healthy lifestyles, to prevent the kinds of problems that we often see that happen, you know, later on in life, which is why I'm so excited about this, this kind of this kind of topic and this kind of project, because uh, there's got to be something done. I mean, am I right? There's a, there's a spiritual disconnect uh, that a lot of people have that uh, leads to all these uh, 
issues of mental illness later on in life. And kindness is one of the most fundamental ways that can really uh, uh, prevent that from happening. Now we can say, we can talk about it kind of superficially because I think we're going to have some naysayers and say, well, you know, in schools and teachers and well, for sure, we talk about it all the time and that's what it is, you know. Of course we're kind to one another. But now we're really highlighting it. We're really saying, you know, this is really, really important. You know, we're making actionable and placing focus on this in a way that hasn't been done before. And perhaps because there's been this kind of, uh, you know, lackadaisical attitude to it over time, and uh, we have to focus on it more and more. Uh, with the advent of electronics and social media, you know, there's a lot of clicks and a lot of kids keeping to themselves and so on. And they're not interacting. And I think uh, perhaps they're not, uh, developing those skills of interpersonal relationships and that's got to do with kindness as well. How do you be kind to one another? How do you talk to the next person in a kind way, interact with them and so on? Would you like to address address that? Yeah, it reminds me of a story that happened when I was uh, just coming to study in 770 as a student because the year was 1975. And the, the mother wrote to the Rebbe that her son was being bullied in school. The Rebbe, when he received the note, he asked the secretaries to find out which school it was and have the secretary call the school and ask them what are they going to be doing about the bullying of this child. And long story short, the school didn't really respond properly, didn't know what, when, what. And the Rebbe had a secretary call the school and say that if they don't resolve this issue quickly, he himself, the Rebbe himself, is going to come down to the school and deal with it directly. Well, you could imagine the school got its act together. I'm not sure they knew what to do, but they definitely did whatever they could do. Now, this, listen to this part. Whether it was a week or two or a few weeks later, I don't remember the exact timing. But this boy was being bar mitzvah. He was having his bar mitzvah. And his bar mitzvah happened to be on a Shabbos. And that Shabbos was uh, Yud Kislev, was the yard site. The Geula, which follows the day of the yard site and the birthday and the yard site of the Mittler Rebbe. So usually there would have been a Fabreng in that Shabbos. Well, to everyone's surprise, there was no Fabreng. Later we found out that because his bar mitzvah was going to be that day, a kiddush and so on in his home, the Rebbe did not want to fabring in case anybody would not go to the bar mitzvah because they were coming to the fabringen. The Rebbe did not fabring a Rebbe, fabring with his chassidim, because one child had, had been suffered, had been bullied by his friends. I'll never forget that story. You know, these are the little events that people don't usually notice. Now, you could always say, the Rebbe, the Rebbe's on that level. No, this is a lesson to each one of us. It's a lesson because you can save a life. You literally can save a life when you show a measure of kindness. And we don't know what, how many things could be prevented. Prevented, as you said, prevented. But not wait till after the problem when that kindness is done properly. It's, there's no excuse, and it's a disgrace, frankly, if our schools and our homes and our communities do not take even one tragedy, let alone many that have happened, unfortunately, and once and for all a wake-up call, that there'll be zero tolerance of 
bullying is just one of any type of injustice. You run a school, you're, you're teachers. In any other way, you have some ashpa and influence on others. You have a great responsibility to not just be kind yourself, but to not tolerate anyone else that's not kind, whether it's student to student, whether it's parent to child, or whether it's teacher to child. So you could say, well, till now, we haven't been able to be fully successful. That's not how we think. We think so from here on, may this kindness award ring as a clarion call to people everywhere. Everywhere, literally. Doesn't have to only be the Kronite community, doesn't even have to be only the Jewish community. Everywhere in the world, that this is how we respond. And this is how the Jewish response is, the Chassidish response, that correct, that we not only are going to put a band-aid and solve a problem, but we're going to create such an environment where as much as possible in our hands, what's in God's hands, and what we have no control over, we have no control over. But there's plenty we do have control over. And if you see something that seems like an injustice, even if you're not doing it, you are part of the crime if, and accomplice to it if you're silent. And that's why, again, I repeat what it says in the Pasuk when Hashem says to Cain, what did you do? What did you do? Masi, so he said, what did you do? The earth is crying out to me, the blood that it's absorbed. The earth is crying out. The earth opened its mouth because no one else did. So the earth opened its mouth. We have to be the ones that call out and don't accept any type of behavior, especially with our impressionable children, where every word makes an impact on them. One negative word can change a person's life, let alone more than a word. And one positive word can also change a person's life. So what can I say? I mean, I don't need, I have more words than that. That is, in my, my opinion, how we have to look at this. Why Yechevet is meriting to be the one that wakes us all up. I don't know why she had to merit to that, but clearly she is in her schus. And that's what we're here to do. And we're here to make sure that it doesn't quiet down even when the inspiration dissipates. And that this becomes a real new norm and something that we all embrace. And there's no such thing as being a bystander and an observer. You're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. So all of us here are declaring we want to be part of the solution. And this kindness award is one good step in that direction. And may, may it lead to many more. Thank you. I just wanted, I just wanted to just add that um, um, this will bring a lot of attention to kindness. Um, I'm finding that it's perhaps necessary that for teachers and educators and principals, they get a lot of training in how to teach and how to be good educators, but are they getting training in how to um, recognize subtle bullying and subtle injustices of a level of kindness and how to encourage uh, kindness and, and warmth and so on and anti-click behavior? Uh, we, we promised we wouldn't, uh, you know, do anything negative on this on this webinar, but I, my, that's my observation from all the stories that I'm hearing, that uh, teachers' training should include a lot of that recognition. You know, when is it, when is a child suffering, and often they often don't recognize that, and that uh, I encourage all educators to give some more headspace to that concept of uh, of of concentrating on how to on how to recognize mental illness number one, and how to encourage kindness, and how to realize that kindness is an integral 
a superior part of education, uh, more so than learning Tembla Kamara, in fact, I, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, ho hopefully they'll, they'll get that message. And, this, uh, and, I, and I'm confident that through, the, through this, this campaign, the noise that it, the noise that it will make, that uh, people will start talking about it, and the discussion will become, uh, you know, more, more exciting and uh, positive in that, in that regard. May I share one more thing, if I may? Absolutely. Right after the Yecheved's passing, I decided that my program, my Sunday night program, My Life Should Have Supplied, to talk about these, these type of tragedies. So I read some letters that I had received, and I was avoiding to read because they're always so painful about a young girl, a girl that wrote to me, I didn't know who it was, about her own uh, thoughts taking her life. And um, so I decided to read a few letters and talk about it. You know, silence is never good, as I just said. So let's talk about it, even if we don't always have a solution, but at least we care, to demonstrate we care. That's what I was focusing on. And lo and behold, while I was in the middle of doing the program, I don't know, something came to me and decided, you know what? Put your money where your mouth is. And I said, I will give my personal number, phone number, if anybody wants to talk and feels they want to reach out, here's my phone number. And I didn't know if anyone would call, wouldn't call, but it was just at the moment. The next day, I get a phone call. I get a phone call from the girl. She's now in Crown Heights. She was living in Jerusalem. She told me her name. She said, I'm the one that wrote you that letter. Well, I wanted you to know, because of your care and because of some other people's care, I'm in a much better place right now. And I want you to tell that to the audience. So I asked her, can you put it in writing? I'll read it next week. And she did. You can never know what one word of care can do for a human being. Again, we don't know the bigger mysteries, but we know what we have to do. And I just wanted to reiterate it again. Nobody is absolved of that. Just to share that you care. You could say, well, I don't have a solution. You know what? Showing love and showing compassion is a, nurtures a soul. And when you nurture a soul, all kinds of magical things and powerful things can happen. Just wanted to throw that into the discussion. Right. I, I know that uh, we want to stay, like uh, Avrami said, stay on the topic as much as, as much as possible in terms of positivity. Um, is there a but that's about to follow? <laughs> However, um, the other day I was listening to uh, Dennis Prager talk, and uh, there's a school of thought that evil doesn't exist. And some uh, some philosophies. There's no such thing as evil. There's just impoverished people who make bad choices because they're poor. So, so he so he said, "I'll prove to you that uh, evil exists. Do you believe good exists?" He says because good can't exist without opposite. So kindness also can't exist without um, without unkindness. And this is some of the I'll bring you into some of the conversation with Avrami and I that day, and some of the things that you know certainly that I've experienced. And I, I mentioned, I mentioned a story that I felt highlighted both. Um, and it, the reason why I like this story is because kindness really is more powerful than unkindness. You know what I mean? It's in the sense, I got to say it's more powerful because I only needed to be told one time that I was included. <laughs> I was told one time I wasn't and one time I was. And at the end of the day, I felt included. I felt, I felt a part of, not that I haven't had my journey outside of it, but I can tell you that that, uh, that, conversation with Rabbi Wenger stayed with me for 
um, for a long time. And to this day, we still have we, we still have a close relationship. And I still I always remembered him as someone it, that was one story that highlights who he was. That's the truth. It highlighted who he is as a person. It wasn't um, he was he wasn't an average guy who then did that one time. I had that relationship all the time. And that's the memory that that sticks out. But there was a sense from him, um, at least with me, that he cared. And if, and and I felt included, but I wanted to share a couple of um, examples that I think came up um, with Avremi, kind of on the opposite side. One, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was working on uh, mic drop. The the storytelling it seeped into the Crown Heights community for about six minutes before they asked us to kindly focus elsewhere, focus our efforts elsewhere. So one of the stories I heard. Uh, from a girl who grew up in Crown Heights. And at this point in time, she was a woman probably in her 40s. And she shared that when she was 14 or 15 years old, she, um, I don't know, was interacting with a with a boy or something like that. The school found out about it and kicked her out of the school. When she was saying her story, that didn't seem to be particularly painful. I think she knew she broke the rule and she got kicked out of the, she got kicked out of the school. It's I didn't notice that much emotion in that part of her story. But the next thing she said and was telling me, because this is 20 something years later, she, she said that her teacher forbade any of her other classmates to speak to her and said, if, they, if they're even caught talking to her, they'll be kicked out of school also. And there was something about like that dagger. And she said, she remembers once walking down the street where she lived and um, a girl in her class was walking towards her on the same side of the road and crossed over because she wanted to be kicked out of school for um, she wanted to be kicked out of school for um, inter interacting with her, the risk of interacting with her. So <laughs> someone who would have been bold enough to stay on the same side of the streets and go over for a drink, that's the kind of person that we want to we want to nominate. But it's it's hearing some of these stories. Um, over the years that say, okay, how can we, how can we create something, something different? Because obviously no one intends to create the damage that, that it creates. No one intends, the teachers thought they were doing the right thing by keeping this person away and also everyone else away, right? When, when the Rosh Yeshiva kicked me out of Yeshiva for reading a non-Jewish book and sharing it with others, he meant it, I'm sure his intentions were, were wonderful. I don't think he intended to do something that was was harmful or hurtful or or non-inclusive he was focused on something else however the fact of the matter is that i saw it i saw this person share their story 20 years later with the raw pain i mean it was i've, I've seen people talk about very difficult experiences in life and i i remember the raw pain of the story the same way i remember the raw pain of someone who told me they were sexually abused i mean it was so real the the the, the pain the, the pain they felt in that moment and i'll share one more um, one more, which is, I guess, more current, um, being that I've been, you know, somewhat, I've, I speak about my own journey of, uh, um, dealing with, uh, having dealt with a, an addiction to pornography and what I've done over the years to, um, to overcome that. I have a lot of people who reach out to me in that regard as it affects a lot more of us than, um, we'd like to admit. And, uh, one such gentleman called me up and said that his 10-year-old son was caught in school, 10, 11, 12, I don't remember exactly, but a child 
was uh, caught in school on the school computer he went to typed in some site and the school immediately kicked him out and the parent called me asked me what i thought and maybe he has an addiction and they were coming from that perspective and it wasn't until a few weeks later that i received another call that uh, they found out that the child was was being abused and you know it's, it's those kind of things almost a China highlight where Avremi was saying it earlier, right? Is there a kind of training you can give that like this to pay attention to those subtle signs of being bullied, those small signs that there's something amiss and there's something awry. And when a, a whatever, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old boy is looking at pornography, the, the reaction shouldn't be he's doing something wrong. That's not, it's not the right reaction, but the reaction should be what business does he have there? How is this like, what's going on that a 10, 11 year old child is going there? What happened that he even knows about that stuff? Meaning it could have been approached with so much more um, compassion, kindness, understanding. There was a much different way to look at it. In fact, it was a true way to look at it. It wasn't just a nicer way to look at it. It turned out to be the true way to look at it. And honestly, I missed it. When, when the parent asked me those questions, even though I'm steeped in you know, I'm, I'm steeped in these conversations all the time, both about abuse and addiction and everything else. I missed the warning signs that should have been apparent to me of a child at 10, 11 years old who was looking at pornography. And I think it's some of those things that we're trying to pick up on, those small, silent cries, maybe, that child children are sometimes exhibiting. And for those teachers who can, or students who can pick those up, you know, can hear that whistle and say, okay, this, this one, this this one needs something different. This one needs something special. And how can I be that person to step in? So to talk a little bit about the award itself, the award, um, it's for Crown Heights schools to highlight a current teacher, to nominate a, a current teacher who's exhibited something extraordinary, something exemplary. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be an amazing story, by the way. It has to be something that touched this particular person in a, in a very meaningful way. It doesn't have to be, you know, someone who took a bullet for someone. I mean, it's, it can be something that's an everyday run-of-the-mill story where someone saw Can I give a quick, quick example of what, yeah, this might, of my, my, what that might be? I don't remember who told me the story, but uh, you, you, actually it may have been, I don't know, I don't know where I heard the story, but there was a story about a kid who bought a set of glasses, you know, eyeglasses, and I guess they were dorky or nerdy, and he came, in, came into the, to the class, and the whole class just made fun of this kid. You know, what, you know and this kid was felt, you know, you know, completely, you know, what I'm being bullied over is crazy. And the Rebbe recognized that and immediately went out and bought the exact same frames the next day. And uh, that was the end of that, uh, that bullying episode. The Rebbe wore the same frames that the kid wore. Amazing. Amazing. There was, um, I, I can tell you one from uh, when I was in Yeshiva. I remember this kid put a sign on his door um, saying, I think that he sews buttons or iron shirts or, you know, 50 cents to sew a button, a dollar to iron a shirt or something like that. And uh, some people lined up to give him a shirt or something else to one. But one of my friends spoke to him about what was going on. And there was, a, he, he, he was having, a, his family was going through a very difficult time. And he needed that little bit of money that came from uh, those things. And it wasn't about the button or, or something else. And this friend of mine called his father, let him know what was going on and included, you know, when he sent his son money, he started sending this other kid money as well. It's like, it's those small, 
small minor things. It's okay if why why is one kid in school asking to uh, sew buttons for twenty five or fifty cents? What's what's going on? And that additional question that yeah, I, I don't think you, I don't think someone forgets that story for life. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I interrupted didn't. you. Go ahead with the uh, no no no. That's all explaining. explaining okay, so in award. terms of the awards itself, so it's to highlight a teacher who is a current teacher K through twelve. Um, either by a current student or a family member of a student, it doesn't have to be by the person by the by the person itself. Uh, there will be a male teacher and a female teacher that award that are awarded. The one who receives um, the award for details and the nomination process and selection process and any questions you have, you can go to kindnessaward.com. There's an FAQ and it should spell it out uh, pretty quickly. I have no doubt that we missed some thoughts, some questions. You know, while, while you're preparing something like this, so. If, there's a question you have that's not up there. Please help us uh, work through some of those issues by submitting any questions through the website. Then we have a process in place to uh, to review them. So a male teacher and a female teacher will each receive a $15,000 award. On top of that, there's um, awards for students, right? Like I mentioned in the second story of the, uh, the, the button. Um, a Ellie, student who can does also the nominating? Who does the nominating? It could be anyone. It could be a student or it could be a family member. Or it could be a friend. I mean, someone can nominate on behalf. Anyone can nominate. But technically speaking, Simon, you could nominate. Meaning if, if, if you know of a story of a child who is impacted strongly by a current teacher, you can say, I want to nominate on, I, I know this story of this teacher and I want to nominate on their behalf and you submit it. It's only for Crown Heights teachers. That's correct. So essentially, these votes will all be gathered, and whoever gets the most no, not votes. votes. No, there'll be stories, and then there'll be a, a a selection process to to review it. And then, based on that, a teacher, a male teacher, and a female teacher will each be selected for uh, for an award. And the award is fifteen thousand dollars on that side, and then for. Students, it's a five thousand dollars. A portion of the student award goes to a, a charity. That's a charity that Yochaved uh, that reflects Yochaved's. It's of the person's choosing, but it reflects Yochaved's values. So, meaning, if there's a five thousand dollars prize, they say, okay, twenty five hundred dollars. They want it to go to, I don't know, buttons, maybe. I don't know, whatever. A pair of jeans, and then the other, the other two. Uh, um, I didn't mean that literally. I don't know. A trip to Israel, right? Whatever they wanted to do with it, and then the other to a charity that the family felt or they felt reflected something Yochavet would have uh, cared for. So that's four, right? Yeah, there are four, and then there, I, I I believe there are two that are non-cash awards. For friends, for example, and then there's a, in some ways it's my favorite part is to collect stories that are just meaningful and impactful, maybe from past teachers. I'll dwell on it. I'll tell another story. It's not. I don't know that kindness was necessarily necessarily exhibited here, but it was more don't about. You don't you have a tenure story? Yeah, that was the one I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah I don't know. There was kindness that was, but there was something about the story which I'll, I'll never, uh, I'll never forget. So I got into a disagreement with a kid in my class. I was 13 years old, and. Uh, we both got sent to the principal's office and I, I was asked and um, as a punishment, my, the, the suggestion, I don't remember if it was at the suggestion phase or it was just, or it was already suggested 
was, uh, I think, to, to write all 12 Prakim Tanya or learn all 12, something like that, right? Something with, with Tanya. And I remember, I don't know if uh, you know the teacher, Rabbi Eldoran. And uh, like I said, sometimes anger is appropriate. So he came in after me and he didn't, the walls are thin. I don't think he heard me. I don't think he knew that I heard him. I don't think he cared who heard him. He wanted to make sure the person on the other side heard him. He was livid. He was really, really upset that a teacher can give a punishment for Tanya. And he's like, what association do you want this kid to have of Tanya? And to me, what was impactful for me was, I you know, what do I know at 13 about Tanya or anything else? I mean, you hear stuff, but it's not meaningful. To me, that someone was getting so angry on my behalf that I should have a positive impression of Tanya, I thought was, I, 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 I haven't forgot that story. It's like, okay, it was, first of all, I respected him. So it should be clear, who are these people? Someone who I respected as a teacher also, right? My everyday interactions with him were extremely positive. He was an excellent teacher, very attentive, very knowledgeable. He was very present, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of that, someone who I respected was there getting, like, he was livid. <laughs> he was livid at the uh, principal for giving me a punishment for Tanya, saying, what association do you want this kid to have with Tanya? Do you want him, you want him to think of Tanya in a negative way? It's like, oh, I got something, something bad happens and my punishment is that I have to learn Tanya. Tanya should be the greatest thing in the world to him. What are you doing? And that's, like I said, I don't know that this necessarily exhibits kindness, but it's something that there's no way he remembers the story. There's, a, there's no way. I mean, this is like, you know, a 10 minute interaction in the middle of, uh, you know, 15 years of school. But it stuck but with you. It stuck with me, exactly. Someone so asked again, you all the information is at kindnessaward.com. Kindnessaward.com. Right? Yeah. Please share it with others. Any questions you have at this point in time, you know, it's, it's new enough that we may even listen to some ideas. So if, so if something, we, we're just launching it today, obviously we worked hard on it. Yochavet Seidoff put an incredible amount of work um, into this, building the website um, or working through the, the website being built and all the details. If there's, um, so don't be afraid to bring something up that doesn't look right or a question or anything else. Like we're, we're in the infancy stages of this. And the hope is that this is an award, like I said, that could be spread. Chabad isn't the spreading thing. So I hope that, uh, Simon, I hope that uh, with the Meaningful Life Center, this will, uh, this will go out to many others. I think it's something that could be brought to all communities. And well, just for information, Meaningful Life Center's main following is not, not only not in Chabad, it's not even necessarily in the Jewish uh, community. By all means, let's bring it, uh, bring it beyond. It's a, beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I think also the, you know, it's, it's no secret that um, teachers aren't, um, many teachers are not paid adequately, not close to it. So the fact that there's so much, somewhat of a cash recognition for um, what they're doing, and hopefully, you know, in future years, the uh, the pool can be the pool can be larger, and there can be more money brought in for these things, and and more of these uh, brought in. And when you say thoughts of a hollow versus actual teacher, I don't think it has to be literally the teacher in in front of the classroom. If there was someone in the administration which had a uh, personal interaction, right? Yeah, yeah. What? A personal interaction, not yeah. Talk about a personal interaction. Yeah, it's not talking about a school that was you would not nominate or we're not nominating organizations. It's a personal interaction, but you know, technically speaking, if, I don't know, if I was an assistant teacher or the principal, I, I don't see why that would uh, dissuade anyone. Ali, the, the decision was made early on, and uh, for, I think for good reason, and it's come up now as one of the questions. Someone asked if this is only for Cronite's teachers, and you said yes. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit why that is? I think, I think there's a good reason for it, but go ahead. 
Why is Crown High Citrus? Yeah, only. Yeah. I I think you got to start somewhere. You know, it's nice to it's nice to go beyond, but you got to focus it. You got to get it got it um, done properly. In terms of someone asked this, why does the money go to charity directly? The idea is that no one's going to require anything, but it's that to give it to a charity of the winner's choosing, and also one that would reflect the values of Yuchavet. So I, I'm sure there are many that are that overlap in that in, in that regard, right? Something that a charity that someone wants to give some a charity that speaks to someone, and it also happens to dovetail with things that uh, Yochavid cared about. But of course, that's just a, the family request, and ultimately, someone earns the uh, the money. It's theirs. But that's the answer of why it's not just going to the charity directly, is because it's that person choosing where that's going to. And some of the thought process there also is to encourage that kind of that kind of thinking, right? Thinking about giving and thinking about doing more. So, you know, I mean, this was the, there was a famous man I can tell you about who every day gave out, every Sunday would give out dollars to people. I mean, he could have just <laughs> given one check to one organization, right? So it's not the worst idea in the world to give children money to give away. It was not my idea, but it's not a bad idea. Right. <laughs> Act of giving. Train people well, to give. Right, it's <laughs> encouraging. I mean, that was... Uh, but for clarity purposes, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, the $15,000 award to a male or female That's educator 100%. is one thing. You're talking now about the award to the students. The students. The so it's a $5,000 award, and the recommendation is that 2500 of that be designated to a, a charity. And this is not to suggest that 50% of everything the child made for the rest of his life should go to charity. We're good okay. with that should go to taxes. Taxes and charity. And then 10. On the, the Q&A, Ellie, someone asked who's choosing the winners. There's a Q&A on the top on the left-hand side. Some of these details are still being uh, being worked out. The Meaningful Life Center is hard at work with uh, us on the Team of Kindness Award to figure, figure some of these details out. But there'll be some sort of review and nomination process, like a, a, a review process, and uh, someone chosen from... From, from one of the nominees, who's a teacher in Crown Heights. And what will follow will be some kind of what, ceremony? Yeah, and we'll have, uh, when it's announced, there'll be a formal event, and hopefully this can be something where, where stories are told, and it's, it's an evening, hopefully, that can motivate and encourage more of, uh, more of these things. Our hope is that we're able to uh, collect thousands and thousands of stories. I have to tell you, one of the... Um, one of the things that inspired me to do this is, Rob Simon, you have a uh, a $10,000, right? Is it cash prize you give every single year for someone who writes a dissertation on something? Can you speak to that? On applying an idea of chassidus to a personal life challenge. Ah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit one. I have a, <laughs> a story for you. And it's, it's an offline well, story. But applying a uh... by all means, but I could submit it. Absolutely, it's judge anonymously, so we won't know it's you until what? after. Right, the... but if I say this story, right, if I say it now, then people know and they'll think maybe there was some collusion. So... Well, I'll I will recuse myself from being <laughs> uh, in any way a judge on this. Yeah. Okay, hopefully I can. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, I, you know, uh, Rami, let me ask you a question. Maybe to. Of Remy and Dini, just to, to segue to 
a little bit different than the award itself. That decision for your family to speak about this and say, we're going to talk about what happened and it's not pretty, but it's the truth. Was that a difficult decision? Was that something you wrestled with for a long time? Do you regret the decision? Can you, can you talk about, uh, about that a little bit? Because it's not commonly done. I mean, I think it's what, no secret. What's not commonly done? Well, what, what often happens is, is that when, when tragedy happens, tragedies such as this, you'll hear, uh, I, I don't know, some other reason given or the family's not saying or an aneurysm or a stroke or whatever, something that doesn't have to share the, uh, the, the hard details with everyone. So that decision to be more uh, transparent. So uh, Dini's muted, otherwise I would have let her go first. But uh, so I'll just go, I'll go ahead and talk about that for a second. Um, for me, it happened automatically. I didn't make a decision to do it. It just happened the very next day or two days later. I was texting while sitting shiva and just one thing led to the next. And it was, ended up being a very good thing for my own healing. But I have to say that my inspiration was Yechevet. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I really think about it, she was my inspiration. And the reason for that is that there was a you know, considerable amount of years where she did not want to discuss it and wanted to keep it private. And we always respected that. And then in one Wanted day, to keep what private? Her struggles. Her struggles. You know, you know uh, there's, a, there's a nurse practitioner, a psychiatric nurse practitioner that I, that I correspond with a lot. And uh, we speak about this fact that uh, you know, we always talk about stigma and taboo. You know, that there's a stigma about mental illness in the from community. And I'm not so sure that uh, that's as bad as people think it is. Because in many cases, I believe it's, it's parents, siblings, friends, protecting the identity, protecting the wishes of those that are suffering. So, you know, if my daughter didn't want to talk about it, I didn't want to talk, I didn't want to talk about it. And that doesn't mean that I was part of the problem. I was respecting the wishes of my daughter. The second that that changed... Our attitudes changed and said, yeah, that's, we could talk about this publicly. We could answer questions publicly. She went from zero to 100 in a day. It wasn't a gradual process, literally. Dini told me one, check out Yechevet's Instagram. She's like, Oof. the whole story right out there. Wait, lady well, told Dini, right, lady? Yeah. I, that's what, I mean, I was like shocked, but good shock, you know. So when I think about it now, it, 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 she was my inspiration to... And for me, it's been a very positive journey. I don't think, uh, I don't know if members of my family thought I was nuts or doing the right thing at the beginning, but uh, I think they've come around at least seeing that being good for me to do. And to see a lot of the good that has come out of it. There's been a lot of good. Behind the scenes, there's been a lot of amazing stories that have happened and been able to connect and uh, talk to people and help people and so on. So it wasn't a decision, just just happened. It just happened and it felt good to do. I guess the idea is to, you know, when, you, when you're giving, you're taking, it felt right, it felt healthy, not to keep it inside, felt, uh, you know, it was the correct thing to be honest. Right, I think... Can I, uh, can I also add to that? It's not, yeah. it's, in addition to the things that Abrami's saying, I think that it actually, um, for us to get the support that we needed, the more honest we were, people were able to give it. If you don't, if you, like you said earlier, like there may be people that don't say what happened, people can't support you in, the, in a genuine way if they don't actually know what you're going through. So sharing sometimes can be a difficult thing, but actually there's so many people in our, in our lives that have been just tremendously supportive. As soon as they knew what was going on, they were able to be there for us and they wanted to be there for us and they continued to be there for us. 
So it's actually been part of the healing. And, it was, and when Yocheved was going through things, she felt that support from family, from friends, from strangers. So, so the, way, the way I see it, um, I'm not saying, like I said, it wasn't so much of a choice, but we just it kind of organically happened. Um, I think it's, it was helpful and it, is, it continues to be helpful um, to be able to be honest about it and to be able, because then I think, again, people can be honest in being there for you and then we can help other people. And we have hopefully been able to do that and want to continue doing that. Um, people have been reaching out to us for, even if just for a listening ear, someone that understands what they're going through, even just that in itself. Um, so I think that, yes. It, that it sounds like you're saying two different things. There's one is that because of you being honest about it, someone knows what you're going through so they can offer the right kind of support. But also it invites people who are struggling in their way to be honest with you about what's going on with them. And then you can provide them that support. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what's, uh, what's coming to mind is that, um, you know, I go to uh, meetings for addiction, addiction recovery. And in the room that I've been going to for a long time, there's a sign that's, so you are not alone. It's a sign. And it's usually the, you know, we said when a newcomer walks in, right? When someone walks in for the very first time to one of these meetings, I like to joke that the door to a recovery meeting is about two feet high. You got to come in on your hands and knees. No one's walking in uh, loud and proud. And the very first message we uh, tell anyone who's like, you know, on the worst day of their life when they're walking into a place like this is uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. I think that's often the... Um, where we talk about this theme of inclusivity of belonging, it's sometimes what someone is struggling with the most, or when a family is going through something incredibly painful like this, there's the pain of it, and then the pain layered on top of it of no one would know, no one would understand. Um, I'm the only one going through this. And it, it, it often feels that way. I thought I was the only kid in Crown Heights who was sexually abused for a long time. And then I said it, and then I said something, and uh, I found out. It wasn't true. And there were there were a lot of people who who were that way. So I, I think that I have uh, I have no doubt you know of a lot of just by speaking, uh, you know of a, a lot of what is going on in the community that people are not talking about. That people are you know it's one family at a time speaking to someone like you guys who are who are open about it. Open and willing. I still don't understand it to this day how people come up to me and tell me their stories uh, and share with me their most inner, innermost darkest secrets secrets and uh, i always ask you know why why do you why do you trust me and and what makes you think i have any credibility i'm not a i'm not a, a psychological professional and the answer is that you know it's always just we just feel we feel we can trust you and we feel that uh, we we feel comfortable having this conversation with you I mean, the most you know i was walking out of 770 one day after mincha and this guy walks, walks up to me I even forget his name. He tells me he's a shliach somewhere. Starts telling me about his wife's um, um, eating disorder and depression issues. And uh, I was actually able to help him in one particular detail. But I was like shocked. Like, he was sharing, me, you know, sharing with me this kind of stuff. And so perhaps, you know, that's the good that can come out of this, in addition to all the kindness that we're trying to encourage. But we're somehow being vehicles of positivity and uh, and... How do we get to this? I don't even remember how we got to this. I was just asking you about the the process of 
uh, speaking about it and what, sure. whether it was a difficult decision or not. Because I know people wrestle with the decision in, in major ways. But Ellie, can I also say that for Yocheved, like like Avrami said, that she once she was open with it, we were able to be open with it. But also, I think that once she was and she saw the support that she got, like that people weren't judging her um, and that people were supportive of her and that it was okay that her struggles were her struggles. And I think that that really meant so much to her. Like, you know, even before she went away, she went, she went for treatment and the family bought her a gift and she would get cards and she would get, it just made her feel so supported and it really helped her a lot through her struggles. So even though, you know, we're still, we're sitting here today talking about you in the past tense, which is extremely, extremely painful. Um, just knowing that the way she describes it in her own words, the way she wrote it to us and the way she talked about it, um, there were many positive moments and um, the people that were there knowing what she was going through and loved her just as much. You know, it, it, that doesn't change. People that are struggling have to know that. People that are in pain should know that. Know that your parents love you, you know, that your parents love you for you. Um, and if you reach out and, and tell, tell them, most often they'll be your biggest supporters. And if for some reason your parents can't be, then reach out to somebody else. Because like you said earlier, you're not alone. You know, we're all here, we're a community, we care for one another, and it's, it's something everyone should really, it's important for every person to know, whether they're a parent, a child, a sibling, we have to be here for one another. Right, it's one of the, um, the unfortunate downsides when there's like, so much silence around a subject is that people don't realize how common it is, and... I can tell you, even since getting involved in this in this project, I've I've learned that it's more common than, you know, I I obviously know about it from the addiction world, and it's it, it happens somewhat in that world, and you hear about it. But I've heard a number of stories that I would not have heard because I, I'm involved with this project, meaning specifically related to our communities. Levy, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Absolutely. First, did a story come to mind? I, I was thinking I'm, I wish I had one. <laughs> okay, no, no, you'll remember one uh, right after, right after the event. Of course. Perfect to share. We'll I, I think I know why Levy can't come up with a story, and I'm being serious about this. And the reason is that there's one, there's, there's never one particular story. You know, it's like you just, you know, people are unkind, and suddenly they're kind. Chavod is such a kind and sister. Just so there's nothing that stands out. You're just always kind. Am I wrong about that, Levy? Um, no, I, I, I also do wish I had like a specific story, but, but I think it, yeah, it kind of just was more of a constant and, and that's probably why I'm not thinking of something specific. What do you think of the, uh, the kindness award? What's your, your, your feeling of it? Not a good or bad, but I'm saying, what is the, what is the feeling for you? I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, why that, 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 that's that well, there's a few reasons. First and foremost, I think that good teachers should be highlighted. You know, I, I went through the Lubavitch Yeshiva system. I went to school in Karnites and I've heard plenty of people, you know, that weren't happy with the education they deserved and that weren't happy with the teachers that they had and, you know, the experiences that they had. And I've also heard people that were grateful for the experiences they had and, and the teachers they had. And I think that, you know, sometimes we're, we're so overwhelmed with negativity that it's important to highlight you know, the positive aspects of this and, and these teachers that, that are in the business because they, they really do care and they really want to make a difference. So for me, that, that, that specifically is something that, you know, I, I really resonate with, you know, I have friends that are in education and I, I know people that are involved in this. 
And I, I think that to highlight teachers that are that are doing good in this world, I think is a really, really important thing. And you know, like like everybody is saying tonight, and you know, like we've we've said before, this is something that I think Yechavah would have also really, 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 really liked because you know she had some very positive experiences in in education with with certain teachers that really cared and really uh, meaningful relationships. Um, so I think that she would have she would have thought that this was a great idea. I think she would have had some ideas of who to nominate. Um, I'm racking my brain for for a specific teacher that would you know that would qualify. I, I don't think I have someone specific, but I'm I'm going to go through it. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll think of someone. I don't know if I'm eligible to nominate people. I'm not sure how that works. You are, but it'd have to be a current teacher, though. That's all. Okay. We want someone who's a current teacher. So it can be an old story, but a current teacher. Well, then it could be yeah. it could be his law school professor then. <laughs> as, long as, as, as long as they're, they're also not, in the Crown school system. They're not in Crown as far as I'm aware. Um, but yeah, I, I did have some some very very good positive experiences in the yeshiva system with with educators and with my peer group. So I think this is a great idea to, you know, sometimes we get a bad rap where, you know, people complain about the system and people complain about the uh, the bad and let's let's highlight some good because there's a lot of good. And I think it's a great idea. Actually, it reminded me of something. Maybe I can use this as my submission for Rav Simmons contest. But the a, a little bit before this event, I had learned a, uh, before a discussion of Remy, I'd learned to see, and I don't remember, I'm sure I can find it if I looked a little bit through, but it was something about light and darkness and combating darkness. And like that has like one level, but the other is creating light. And basically the idea of Surmeira and Asay type, that there's a place for, you know, the distancing oneself from bad and focusing on the, on, on the bad and banishing the bad, so to speak. And there's a place to focus on uh, creating more good. And I remember my takeaway from the Sikha, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up afterwards. I just to uh, to refresh my memory, because I'm not explaining it clearly, but I just remember that idea of and my takeaway from it is, my takeaway from it was to some degree that I spent a lot of time on trying to get rid of bad, right? Like this bad thing in the world, like how do we eradicate this and how do we eradicate that? I remember learning it and feeling like, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a specific lesson here for me that I have to be focusing somewhat more on uh, creating some of the goodness because yeah you're you're right i mean you can we can literally create you can do the same thing i mean and i was part of an organization that had a wall of shame for goodness sakes i mean you can right you can literally do the same thing um highlighting negativity or highlighting positivity and i think what you're saying lady is exactly what we're trying to what we're trying to do with this which i believe is the legacy of uh from what i understand of of yochevet is yeah obviously you know like i i spoke about Dennis Prager earlier to say that they're good exists. You have to say evil, you have to say evil exists because if you have no contrast, you don't have anything. So obviously there's a recognition that there is some painful experiences in life, in life and that exists, but this award, what we're trying to highlight, what do they say? What you, what you appreciate appreciates, right? When you appreciate something, it appreciates, it goes up in value. What you appreciate appreciates. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to appreciate those things that are, you know, the best, the best of, because you're right, we've all had positive, we've, we've all had some positive experience in life. We wouldn't be here till now. And uh, to highlight those and create more of those and more of those opportunities for, other, for others, especially that they should feel a part of uh, a part of the community, a part of and not apart from the community. Uh, Rip Simon, if if you're looking into the, uh, the the future on this, say this is was successful or not successful, what, is, uh, what does this event do 
what, what, not this event, but this project, what, what changes would you see to say, okay, this is, I've done good here. This, this event had what, uh, well, safe Misa, Machshava Trila, right? So what's yeah. the, uh, what's the safe Misa? I see it this way. I'll put it somewhat into a Hasidic and mystical context. You know, God created the world for a purpose. He created a very hostile, dark world. The Alter Rebbe says in Tanya chapter 36, it's called Tachtenim, the lowest of the, of the world. It can't get lower. And what does he mean by that? He says, the concealment of the divine. What is the divine? Divine is the very purpose of existence. What makes things healthy? Think of it like a machine. When it's aligned with the engineer's plans, then it's a healthy machine. When it's not, it becomes unhealthy. So the divine engineer's God created a machine called life, gave us a blueprint and connections of how to align ourselves to the very purpose of our beings. So essentially, when we wander off from there, that's where you have all types of problems, whether it's illness, whether it's mental illness, whether it's bullying, whether it's any injustice, any lack of kindness. Kindness and love is the natural state of a healthy universe and a healthy human being. Every child is submerged in embryonic fluids and waters for nine months, completely nurtured, completely protected by its mother. That's the way life should be lived. We're constantly an attachment that's healthy attachments that continuously submerge us in the divine waters of love love for each other. Any form of disconnection is the opposite of love. So I look at the kindness award, I see it as a microcosm of the very purpose of existence. And I don't, I'm not trying to make this into a philosophical and abstract idea, but essentially when the Rebus answered to CNN, what is your message to the world? He said, Mashiach is on his way and we can speed up his coming by increasing in acts of goodness and kindness. So it's more than just being kind people and preventing any type of uh, injustices, any type of uh, dis dissonance that, that alienates our children, alienates each one of us, but it's far bigger than that. It's actually the way we repair and we bring healing to this world. So I see it as a tremendous stepping stone toward the Geula, which is be a world that will be filled with only with kindness, and we will eradicate once and for all every form of strife, injustice, as the Rambam Maimonides writes, that there'll be no longer any form of injustice or war or bullying or hostility, but it will be a world filled with love and kindness. So on a practical level, this award, we should publicize it as much as possible. We should, that we're celebrating kindness is the ultimate thing we're celebrating. Let it begin from Crown Heights. Let it grow to other neighborhoods and other communities, other schools. Let it go beyond the boundaries even of the Orthodox Jewish world, the from Jewish world, beyond to the very larger world as well. So I see it, if this is really, if we really put our energy into it, I see this as going to a place where millions and millions of people are celebrating the kind teachers, the kind mentors, the unsung heroes, those quiet little moments that they said something or did something, you know, ultimately even honoring parents, 
who showed extraordinary kindness and are becoming a, uh, a household name and affecting the critical mass to the tipping point in the words of Rambam, that one good deed, one good word, one good thought tips the scales and brings to the person and to the world salvation and redemption, personal and global redemption. So there you have, at least in my perspective, the vision for it. And now we have to move this along, concentric circles. Like you said, we appreciate, appreciate that it can continue, continue to grow, pay it forward till it becomes a worldwide and global movement. I believe that would be a beautiful legacy for your heaven. It, it's a, a Bashkacha Pratis, by the way. If you look at my... You just said something that really like rattled me in a positive way. If you go to my Facebook page, you will see that I wrote a post literally three days before Yechavah passed. And I want you to understand, everyone knows this, that this has been a long struggle and people have been helping us in you know, physically and spiritually and emotional and physical support. And I wrote a post on Facebook three days before this event. And I said, I hope that Abishta awards me the opportunity to pay it forward. Literally, this happened three, I wrote this three days before. Um, so it's interesting you said that, you said that phrase, it's really... Uh... Yeah, and we, shall and we shall mend broken hearts, dry wet eyes of tears and bring kindness that will heal every broken spirit, every silent child, silent child who's crying right now and really uh, change the world. There's no question that is our mission. That's why we're here. And there's no greater way of fulfilling the purpose of, of existence itself in each one of our lives to do a favor for another. I often, uh, when I'm speaking to people who are abused, and obviously that's my only, like, um, parallel. Pain is pain. Viktor Frankl said, pain is pain. Why he says pain? He says, pain is like a gas. It fills up every single available crevice. Right? So he says, that's why we don't measure different kinds of pain. This one had more pain. This one had less pain. Someone has pain. It just takes up all the available space. There's nothing left to, uh, to consume. From what I understand, that's why a bris is done with a little bit of pain, so that the whole body gets infused with this... Uh, this message. So I won't go into uh, why, whatever. That's a different story for a different time. I don't want to go off on, on a tangent, but just that idea of pain. So oftentimes when I'm speaking to people who are struggling with abuse or speaking about it for the first time, so listen, you are where you are now, but I want to plant a, a vision for you. I'll tell them. Said, so, and the vision is to get to a place where um, we're able to look at our experience, take our, take, take our, take the experience and say, um, I'm just going to talk about me because it's very hard to, to, to connect it to a different, to a different event. But I said for me to be able to take it to a place that I say like, there's, there's a goodness that happens here. There's a gift that I was able to unpack through this, through this experience. And I almost say, and this is what I say is that, you know, there's two choices. I can say that it was a totally random event that happened in my life. Or it was designed. It was designed by the same person who created the same person, the same entity which created me. And it's a good entity. It's an entity which wants goodness and cares and everything else. And my job is to unpack it. And when I tell people who are abused and like at the beginning stages of that, is that it's possible. It's possible to unpack the gift to the point where one can almost say, I, I would have chosen this. 
I would have chosen in the sense that had I, um, you know, my friend Izzy Azagwi lost his arm in the war in Gaza. I, I think he said something in, in 2008, something to the effect of there, there are some things in his life that today are so, they, they could have only been there had he gone through that experience. So to even to look at that experience as a negative experience is hard. It's hard to look at it completely as a negative experience. There are so many things that have been positive that have come from it. But I always say this, I say, there's no amount of positivity that can come in my life that I would say, okay, it was worth it. Someone loses their arm and they win $500 million. I don't think they'll say it was a good deal. But if they're able to help another person who lost their arm, who suffered through tragedy or something else because of that experience, or in my case, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I channel it in the way I do to help people who've been abused or gone through other experiences is that's it's those are the experiences that when I have, I'm able to, I'm able to say, okay, I can accept that as a positive experience. I mean, not the benefit that I receive, but when I'm able to give it to someone else and I say, okay, this would have never been able to, uh, I, I couldn't have been there for someone in this way had I not had these experiences. And it's those that kind of have helped me over the years unpack it in a positive way. And I hope that, you know, obviously it's very difficult for an experience like this to say something like that, but that uh, so much goodness should be created that someone can even think to say something like this, that so much goodness should be created from, from this, through this, and through the many other people your family is able to help and have helped by, uh, by the work you're doing that uh, someone can at least, one can at least think that. Well, could, we wish it weren't so, but uh, we can't change the past. And uh, selfishly, it's uh, it's been a great catalyst for my own healing. That's why I've got to say, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And it is, you know, I, I, I wrote in a, an article like early on when I started talking about abuse, and I said that if... Uh, if given the choice, I would, like, if I was given the choice to write my own book, I'd put those chapters in it. And uh, my mother called me right away on that. So what do you mean you would choose that? I said, that's, that's the only way I have to look at life. I don't have another way of looking at it. Like, I, I'm not going to say, I can't sit there and say that I don't, like, sit there with the burden of an experience that I don't choose. Like, I have to say it was chosen for me, and it's a good one, and I, I would have chosen the same way. And until I'm able to get to, until I get to that point, and with experiences now that obviously are far less, uh, painful and um, anything we're talking about on this call, I'll say until I can get to the point that I can put it in that bucket of an experience that I would have chosen for myself, I still haven't unpacked it enough. Like there's still more unpacking that uh, that needs to happen. I mean, something as simple, I don't know, losing a couple dollars in, in, in an investment or something like that. If I haven't unpacked that to the point that I've got my money's worth somehow, <laughs> right? then it hasn't been unpacked enough because there has to be goodness. There has to be a gift somewhere in that experience. In, in, in that experience. That's the way I've chosen to look at it uh, for myself, obviously, not putting it on, uh, putting any sort of responsibility on anyone else to do the same. Ripsim, thoughts on that? I see your, your forehead was crumpled. I gave you a couple of wrinkles through that. A couple of new wrinkles. <laughs> you know, Ellie, I love you. Whatever you say, <laughs> I like. So even when, you, even when I disagree with you. But, so, uh, by all means, it's in debate that we get to the truth. How did the Gemara form be so boring to uh, have? Uh... I, I happen not to disagree with you. I'll let you know when I disagree. <laughs> um, look, I'm always touched by anybody who's gone through difficult moments and has grown to become a greater person because that is the ultimate uh, testimony 
to the truth of things. You know, we don't know the mysteries of God. We will n- perhaps never know the mystery of Yechevet. Um, and, uh, but we do know what it does to us and what it draws out of us. And if it draws out an evening like this, which initiates an award of this nature, kindness award, and honors and celebrates and recognizes kindness, wherever it may be, I mean, come on. The, so, of course, we don't, I would not say we would rat, that we would not want to change events. No. The way we do change the past, and that's what I will uh, maybe take issue with a little with what Avrami said. We do change the past. That's what tshuva is. We change the past. We don't change the events that happened in the past, but we change their trajectory. Because that past event could have destroyed us, could have only brought grief and pain and bitterness, and instead it brings growth. So we change it in that sense. We control what will, how we will tap that energy, the energy of grief. And the Jewish people um, have mastered that art throughout history. We suffered terribly. I mean, we're talking about thousands of years of suffering. And look what we've created, an unbreakable nation. And nothing, nothing can destroy us. That could have only come because we were broken and we became stronger in the broken places. And uh, so, yes, of course, we would have loved that there would not have been all those setbacks, to put it mildly, all those traumas, all those losses, the deaths, the genocides. What we don't want is to say that it was in vain. We want to say we redeemed it by turning it into such growth and so much beauty and so much love. So it's a real paradox because it doesn't make total sense. You could say, hey, look, you know, enough is enough. I've suffered enough. I give up. But we don't. We tap into it. Remember, a black hole, grief, has a lot more energy than joy. The problem is that energy is inverted. It's like a black hole. It sucks all the light out of it. The gravitational pull is so deep that the light can't even escape. So, but we're able to pierce that, that, that um, trap and we're able to release light. You know what kind of immen- um, um, uh, enormous power that releases? Like when you, when, you, uh, when you split an atom, you release more power than anything. So when you're able to tap into the negative energy of grief and turn it into positive, that when you sow and plant tears with tears you reap with joy that reaping can never been achieved it can never have been achieved without those tears so that's the interesting and strange mystery can we achieve that great greatness without the tears that's what we hope for but often it's the tears that really do bring and become the the the, the tears that are the, like the raindrops that allow the greatest growth to take place yeah, if I if I can add one thing, just because I don't want it to um, sound from what I said that it that I'm I'm saying anything that sounds like a perspective shift. I don't think it's certainly not what you're saying. Um, that what's needed is a perspective shift. I, I I think that that sometimes the way the way I've heard it couched to me over the years, when there's pain or trauma or difficulty, oh, don't worry, it's good. Right, God meant it for good. God is good. There's a goodness. And I, I don't see that as a, a perspective shift as much as a challenge to do something. And that's like the the pasuk you said was hazari bedima, meaning there's a work, there's a 
there's a, a, a sewing, right? There's a work that's done there. Effort. So, right. There's something, it's not sitting in a room and saying, okay, I need to have a perspective shift on a painful experience. It's saying, I'm going to channel this and create something to the point that there's so much that has come from it that, that whatever is being reaped from it, you say, okay, that came from the experience. It's not just a shift. It's not uh, Yeah, think of it this way. There's a parched, think of a garden that has become arid and dry, parched soil. And then somebody who's crying starts crying over that soil. The tears are absorbed in the ground. And what do you know happens next? It starts sprouting and blossoming into beautiful flowers and trees and, and plants. Yeah. So that's what we're doing here. We're doing here. Try to create some of those, uh, those flowers. I noticed that the, um, the, the family was intimately involved in the design and the color choice and everything else. All, all the details were extremely important for the, uh, to the family. Kindness the blossoms. Right. Kindness blossoms, okay. right? Yeah. So, uh, okay, we're, we're moving somewhere. And I really hope that this is something that uh, we look back and it's around for a long time and, uh, you know, blossoming out to many different communities and both Jewish and non-Jewish by all means. And may, may the $15,000 award grow into a $150,000 award. And then you'll see it will get people's attention. <laughs> <laughs> or 15 people uh, having $15,000. Okay. Let's see. Either way. Yeah, let we'll it, make those let decisions outshine, offline. <laughs> let it outshine the Academy Awards. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Can I get the music kick? Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. If anyone has some uh, final thoughts, notes, maybe if you thought of a story, do you need some uh, final thoughts for us? And we will say uh, we'll say goodnight to Tom. I just want to thank you, Ellie, for spearheading this project and for you putting forth that kindness. That's where it started from. So it really brings it full circle. And it really, um, you know, especially today on Yechavid's birthday and going forward, we just know that this is really going to, is the point being, I guess, Simon can speak more about the neshama, maybe not at another point, but it's really about Yechavid's neshama at this point. And, um, it's Yud Beis Sivan, The birthday is yes, Yud Beis yeah, or Yud yeah, Beis? Oh. Yeah. So I'll so, share something about that when you guys are done. I have something to say about that. Okay. Oh, please. No, no, but continue, continue. Go ahead. No, not at all. So thanking Ellie for that kindness, for your team. Actually, Simon and Shandy, you've been a tremendous support. And just all the kindness that we've received and continue to receive. And this is about bringing this forward and bring, you know, spreading it, like you said, to the schools, to the communities, and just hopefully you know, just spread kindness everywhere because all of us can use it, all of us need it. And when we give it, we get. So. It's a win-win, I think. Well, thank you, thank you for the trust and for the opportunity. And um, I'll, I have to admit, a couple of my own tears are in this garden. So, yeah, <laughs> certainly, uh, I didn't get here for free. Nobody does. Well, no, no, it doesn't. But uh, the analogy is a good one of the uh, the tears in the garden. I like it. I won't forget it, Jibson. Like a few other things, <laughs> I heard from you. So before Simon uh, concludes, I just want to say, like I said before, my heart is full of gratitude, uh, not only for what you're doing and uh, being the 
being the brainchild on this project, but also just tell Mamish on a practical level that uh, it's enabled me on a personal level just to fill my head with uh, positivity and how we're going to do this and how we're going to promote this and how we're going to promote that and just all good stuff. Where, by the way, I mean, you know, you should never know this kind of thing, and like, but we do know that my my brain could have easily gone just full throttle negative, but it really didn't, and I thank God I surprised myself. So that's all I have to say about that. I'm just full of full of gratitude and appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Avrami, I have a suggestion just came to me. With um, being that you the musical genius you are. Um, Maybe you should inspire some of your musical friends to compose a song or two with the kindness of word in mind. And I hate, uh, I hate that idea. <laughs> my, 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 my wife and my son knows about that. Okay. Actually, wait, wait a second. You're making fun of me now because we, jo we joked about that when you were by. When you ate, but... No. Well, I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember, I, I don't remember when people laugh at me. No, okay. we, we discussed this and I, I explained to you how it's okay. You know what? Maybe I'll do it behind your back. By all means, but get your son in law to do it. That's fine. But no, yeah. I remember I shared a song with you a couple of weeks ago that uh, that moved me a lot. was yeah. a song uh, by Ellie Levin, Afi, Afi Komen. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Really nice. So I'll tell you something interesting, which um, I'm, I'm going to team up with Simon on this one. <laughs> just, just letting you know. So what happened with this song, L11, for those, those who know the story, um, L11's brother uh, got engaged a week before, a couple days before Pesach. And during Pesach, uh, I believe someone was drag racing, two, two cars were drag racing and hit um, the couple. And they both, they both died instantly. And uh, the father of the, L11's father, the father of the chassan, at the funeral said that he would, he, he, he gave some sort of analogy with Afikomen that God gave them an Afikomen to preserve and now God is asking for the Afikomen back, but he can make any request of God. Okay, I don't remember exactly how he got to that conclusion, but he's at a place right now where he can make any request of God. So the request he's making is 10,000 um, matches from God, right? That he should make 10,000 matches. And they started a website called maybe someone knows they put in there but he started some website where the process was to right as i said like a lot of people know people but they don't go to the lens of mentioning it so they started a website where you would just notate it each time you know i made a shit i recommended a shidduch and then it turned into a date and eventually turned into a wedding wedding then they'd keep track of all these and different ideas anyway this idea this whatever the father did got a lot of eyeballs a lot of people heard about it but this jew sitting here didn't hear about it until l11 song <laughs> okay so i heard a nice song and i was like what's this song about and then i'm looking into it and then i'll tell you something else so that's a paradigm shift right there within a couple of days of hearing that someone mentioned to me a possible shidduch and i said you know what maybe i'll do it <laughs> i never did one before so I, I worked on it and a date happened. So Look, we have, yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying there was an idea that was inspired that touched thousands and thousands of people. But once someone put a song to it, I'll actually see if I can find a link to it. It's a beautiful song. Once someone put a song to it, then it inspired people in, uh, in, in many different ways. 
Okay. So we'll there could some. be something. Uh, we have to be selfless. If it's a promotional way of making this well known, by all means, what? Why not? Okay. It's about the um, noted. You know, as someone who's debated, my my personality is not to naturally put my name on things and stuff like that. But as someone who's debated this over the years, whether to have my name on projects or don't have my name on projects and things like that, what I've what I've landed on, and whenever anyone asks me what to do in this regard, I was think about the project and is it better with or better without? And it's a hundred percent about the project. I vote that this project would be better with the song. <laughs> okay. I put the, uh, I, I put a link to the song for those who are, who are interested. And actually this is an example, right? Many people may not have know the song, know the story, um, read the Shidduch, but this is the, the, the father's, a call to action to the community was to make as many Jewish weddings as possible. And I'm sure there's at least one person who's, who's been introduced to what the father said because of me talking right here now about it. And that was from a song. Right? So it, uh, Maybe we even make a competition and give who gets the best song gets an award as well. <laughs> okay, let's not, let's not overcomplicate it. Let me, let me share the following, if I may. Um, Everything is Ashrocha Pratis, Divine Providence, Yocheva's 25th birthday, 12th of Sivan. So 57 years ago, on the Shabbos Pasha Nose, this week, Tavshin Chavdalad, 1964, the Rebbe spoke about the 12th of Sivan. It was the 12th of Sivan. And he said the following, he told the story, that the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, was taking a walk with his father, the Rebbe Rashab. They would walk and they would talk. The Rebbe Rashab told him that Yud Bey Sivan is seven days from Shavuos. The end of the Yimei Tashlim and the end of when we complete the cycle, seven days from Shavuos. So therefore, it has something in common with the seventh day of Sukkot, which is a Shainer Rabbah, when all the verdicts are sealed, and the seventh day of Pesach, Shavuosh Pesach, when the sea was parted. That's what he said. So therefore, it has a very special quality. And the seven, kol shvim, chavivim, everything of seven is precious. And the Rebbe explained that the difference is, Hashayin Rabba and the seventh day of Pesach, they're both holidays. The seventh day after Shavuos is not a holiday technically. It's a weekday. But it carries the power. You know why? Because at Matan Torah, at Sinai, we receive the power to transform even the mundane world into something holy. And that's the power of Yud Beis Sivan. It's a bridge between Sinai, between heaven and earth. So we have earth, but it's saturated with the seventh power, seventh day power, similar to the other holidays. So I just found it very appropriate. I would tell you the 12th of Sivan, the 25th birthday of Yechevet, the Rebbe makes it very clear that birthdays continue on because the soul continues on. And that's why we say the capital Tehillim of the Rebbe even after Gimel Tammuz, because every year the soul increases in its growth. And the same thing is with Yecheved, the soul never dies. The soul continues on its journey. Kapitel Chavav, 26 now, entering into 26. And that Yud Seven power, may it serve you Avrami, Dini, 
and the rest of the family and all of us that where Yechevet is right now should bestow blessings upon us all. And our job below is to bring the kindness, award them the kindness and goodness to as many people as we can and honoring what Chesed really is in this world. And Yid Sivan is a very appropriate day to serve as a bridge, an interface between the Chesed above and the Chesed below. So that's my final words here in this uh, segment. And I'm sure we'll have more Fabrengans like this. Go to what you do, Simon. Excuse me? I said, you go to what you do. Yes, on the spot. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's called stand-up, um, what are we called? Stand-up comedy? Stand-up mysticism. Stand -up yeah, there we go. Stand-up, uh, yeah. Stand-up mysticism. Yeah. All right, all. On that note, We'll say goodbye, but welcome to the uh, this new chapter of Kindness Award. And please nominate, please share with others, please spread the, uh, the word, please, more importantly, spread kindness and uh, hopefully leave a beautiful legacy for for Yochevet and make the world a brighter, cleaner place. Amen. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this important conversation. I hope you found it impactful and we'll take the time to either upload a meaningful story on the website. That's www.kindnessaward.com or nominate someone you feel deserving of the Yochavid Gerari Kindness Award. Until next time, I am Ellie Nash, and this is the In Search of More podcast.